Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Jesus, we love you. I was just thinking, it's, Jared said something about, Garrett said something about we come in here messy, <laughs> and we do, but the value of together with the music, lifting our voices and saying, yeah, Jesus, we love you is really an incredible value. It does something inside of us. It sort of clears out the mess and opens our hearts and our minds to the presence of God and the Word of God. And that's why we do it. We're not here to amuse and entertain ourselves with our musical abilities. We're here to say sincerely, Jesus, we love you. One time we jumped in our car. We lived out west in the mountain west and we jumped in our car, threw in our little tent and our lantern and our pack and our little bit of camping gear we had and we drove out of our driveway and up the street and got onto the main road out of the little town we lived in and we started heading down the way toward the mountains in the horizon. It was a beautiful summer day. We drove a little ways along the river bottom and then we came to a blacktop and we turned off and we headed straight toward the mountain. Eventually we came through the uh, national, or not the national park, but the forest service gate and it switched to gravel and we started, what do they call that? Switchback, thank you. <laughs> Switchbacking up the mountain. to We went up to about 7,000 feet to a primitive campground. We had the place all to ourselves. So my daughter, Amanda, and Sally. Sally's not with us today. She's out with her sister who lost her husband. Um, and uh, so um, they, they stayed in our little tent. And my son Eric and I, we decided we were going to really be rustic and primitive and we threw a tarp down on the ground and we laid on the tarp in our sleeping bags and we looked up and that's what we saw in the big sky country of Montana we were in the wide open clear air there was no light pollution the smell of the pines wafting through the breezes with a hint of mountain sage and the sky was there. You could, felt like you could reach up and kiss the sky. Well, that's what we're going to talk about with these shepherds today. Because <laughs> that's where they were. They were out in the country. And they saw the stars in a way that you just don't see when you're around town and around the city. Remember from last week, Pastor Brent pointed out that the thing that most alarmed Mary was the pronouncement of the angel Gabriel that she had found favor with God. That startled her, and the angel had to reassure her. But let's think about what was going on with the angels. We'll pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, think about it. They'd been out there watching sheep at night for a long time. This was their career. This was their job. Suddenly, the cosmos wasn't behaving the way it normally did. Something crazy was happening. And so they were terrified. And the, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior's been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, and the angel praising God, with the angel and praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Mary had had that visitation where the angel Gabriel said to her, you're highly favored. And it says that she was really shook up about that. And the angel said to her, you don't have to worry. You found favor with God. And so Mary said, as we know, she said, be it unto me as according to your word. In other words, I'm in. You, I'll, okay. If, if God wants to do something in my life, I say yes. Hold that thought, because if you don't get anything else from what I say today, God wants to do something in your life, in my life, and he wants us to say yes, even <coughs> though it might seem fear-inducing in the early going. So the angel said, your relative Elizabeth is already expecting a baby. And Mary knew that that was a special thing because Elizabeth had not been able to have the babies and she was presumed to be beyond the childbearing age. But she's six months along now. And so Mary said, I'm gonna go visit her. And Mary went up to visit Elizabeth. and. And we see something that happened here. We read about it in Luke chapter 1. Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I imagine that might have been the first time in Mary's life that she ever saw anybody get filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a pretty amazing thing. And, and as um, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, in a loud voice she exclaimed. So Elizabeth's kind of acting out now. The Holy Spirit's come on her. She's proclaiming in a loud voice, uh, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed 
is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And so, quite a moment in this getting together. This wasn't just relatives catching up with family gossip. This was a moment in the Holy Spirit. This was a profound encounter. Really miraculous things going on. Elizabeth's expecting wasn't to be expected, but she was. Mary's pregnant by God's Spirit moving over her and overshadowing her. And Mary responded. And we see now that in the time from she first was encountered by the angel to the time that she's here with Elizabeth, Mary has moved away from her fear of the favor that God had for her and has begun to process and realize what is in store for her and why. And listen to what Mary said. We call it Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble, humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, we've got two kinds of fear in operating, operating here. We have the fear of the, of the shepherds that had to be calmed down. The angel had had to say to Mary, fear not. Settle down. It's going to be good. But Mary says, there's something good for those who fear God. Well, there's two kinds of fear. There's fear that comes from our startledness, our insecurity, our sense of loss of control, our freeze, fight, or flight reactions. And there's the fear of the yes to God that says, whoa, this is heavy duty, but I'm saying yes to you, God. I'm opening. The fear of God is the fear that dispels all other fears. If we come into the fear of God, then those other things that trouble us and upset us can be dispelled. And so Mary begins to express the understanding and the vision for what she sees is going to happen with this child. And she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Pretty amazing statements from a, we, we think Mary was, rather, was just a teenager. But she had an insight as to what was going on. This baby in her, conceived of the Holy Spirit, was going to bring to planet Earth a rearranging 
of things. Listen to what she said. She said, he scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things while sending the rich away empty. We, I think, in our westernized, materialistic, self-aggrandizing um, culture, fail to understand what this is saying. Mary saw that what Jesus' presence in her life and to the whole world, that there was going to be a total global rearrangement of values, rearrangement of priorities. There was going to be a total readjustment of justice on the planet. She had the vision. And in that Holy Spirit moment with Elizabeth, it all kind of came into focus for her. Remember, she started out scared to death. I'm favored. Ooh. Now she's saying, oh, the humble. The humble are going to be lifted up. The proud are going to be brought down. The powerful are going to be rendered weak. The greedy are going to be left unfulfilled. That's the kingdom vision. You see, how does that apply to the shepherds? Well, because the shepherds got the birth announcement. No one in the social register and in the seats of power got the birth announcement. Who got it? The low working class people. They're the ones that got the announcement. They're the ones who had the angels visit them. You know, I was thinking about occasions when there's a birth announcement from the royal family in the UK. We Americans, for some reason, I don't understand, we seem to be fascinated with the royals <laughs> over there. And you know how it goes. There's an announcement, uh, uh, one of the royal family's pregnant, and uh, there, there's going to be a new heir, and uh, oh, we can't wait till the baby's born. And then here they come, parading out of the hospital or, or out of the palace, wherever it is, and they stand on the steps, and uh, they've got the baby and the pictures are being taken, and the whole world applauds. Well, Jesus was born in a manger, and the only people that got the news was the shepherds. Big difference. The very ones who Mary predicted would be the first beneficiary of her child were the ones that got the announcements, the humble people. 
the oppressed people. Luke carried the theme forward when he wrote this gospel. You know, something interesting about Luke's gospel, it's very important to understand all of these events. Luke introduced his gospel. It was a letter, it was a letter he wrote to a friend of his that we now know as the gospel of Luke. Listen to what he said. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. You know, Luke was a companion of Paul, and Paul visited the church in Jerusalem, and Mary was active in the church in Jerusalem for some time. So 30-some years later, maybe 40 years later, Luke is writing this letter. It's entirely possible that Luke had met Mary. And if she hadn't met Mary, she met contemporaries of Mary, if he hadn't met Mary. And so Luke is saying, I, I'm going to put this together. Here's what he says. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So when Luke puts this all together, we've, we've been in this series, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, four times. Luke said you need to see the progression of how this vision broke into planet Earth, into the hearts of people, how God sovereignly and supernaturally brought people into awareness of his kingdom. And now he's saying, jump over to chapter 4 of Luke, and we get a fascinating account. Jesus grew up. Jesus had grown in wisdom and stature. He... Um, he had been baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. He had been tempted out in the wilderness, a face-to-face -face with Satan himself being tempted in everything that tempts us in life. Greed, self-security, uh, pride, all of that. And he came, he was already ministering out in the northern part of modern-day Israel. And he finally came back to his hometown and he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, it'd be like us today, up here. I, I'm looking for a particular place. Oh, here it is, right here. And he said, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Well, where did he get that? He got it in the home of Mary and Joseph where he was raised. They were chosen not because Mary won the lottery. They were chosen because God saw that in the home of Mary and Joseph, Jesus was going to be parented and socialized and instilled with the values of the kingdom of God. Mary trained Jesus with those core values that the humble are going to be lifted up, the rich are going to be brought down, the prideful are going to be brought down. That's what Jesus was raised in. Now, sometimes we mystify Jesus too much, I think. He had to grow up. 
He had to have fussy times in his crib. He had to have his diapers changed. In his Jewish tradition, he had to be snipped, if you know what I mean. He was a baby that had to be raised and parented. And he was parented in the core values, the family values, the kingdom values of Mary and Joseph. And so when he came out after the temptation and he was ready to launch full tilt into his public ministry, he had those values deep within him. And he said, I'm here in my hometown. I'm going to tell you what I'm about. And that's what he said. The spirit is of, he took a, the book of Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wow. Jesus didn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm here to just, uh, announce my political campaign. I'm here to show you how big and important I am. I'm here to tell you that it's happening now. Look what he said. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, what Mary said to Elizabeth, Mary's song, is coming to be. Today, what is instilled in me through my parents, and yes, through the Holy Spirit at work in my life, this is being fulfilled to you. And it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said? Remember, it says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. They knew him. He was raised in their synagogue. He was one of theirs. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. And I'm going to quick, quickly summarize this. The story in Elijah where the, the, the widow of Zarephath was up near modern-day Lebanon. And, and the prophet went to her and gave her miraculous food, but he didn't take care of any of the widows in Israel. And Jesus said, kind of the same thing's going on here today. And he also said, there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. He was saying, this isn't just Israel privilege I'm bringing. This isn't just descendants, physical descendants of Abraham privilege. This is privilege that's going to break out through the boundaries and the borders. This is privilege that's going to involve other people beyond. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear that. 
We don't want those people coming in here. We don't want those people to get our blessing. And they, you know what they did? They turned on Jesus. And they drove him out to a cliff on the edge of town. And they threatened to throw him off the cliff. They wanted to kill him. The shepherds got word. They ran in and saw the baby. And they took on their mission. And it says they proclaimed it throughout the city, throughout the town. The whole countryside heard Christ is born through the shepherds. Heaven broke out in celebration and the shepherds stepped into their role as proclaimers of this wonderful news. While those who occupy the seats of power and controllers of the wealth, the dominators and oppressors were clueless. The shepherds were having a major party. If we think about it, Luke's telling of these events gives us insight into God's eternal plan to take up physical residence on earth and infiltrate humanity by coming through the servant entrance and focus upon the humble people. Yeah. On the one hand, we see incredible joy and celebration arising from those aware and present on this birthday of Jesus. There was great joy that broke out when the shepherds said what they had heard. The angels had said, Rejoice, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news for all the people. It wasn't good news for everybody. Herod got wind of it yeah. some while later. He, he, he had been totally unaware of this. News hadn't gotten to the palace of wicked King Herod. And you know what he did? He dispatched an army to go into the region of Bethlehem and kill all the babies. We can't have any of these babies invading us. Coming in and stealing our thunder, drawing attention away from us. The people of Nazareth, as we said, tried to kill Jesus. Why is good news for all not received as good news by some? Could it be that one can get so entangled in their own selfish little empire that the reassuring fear not gets drowned out by the inner noise of pride, self-interest, materialism, grudges, resentments, 
Today, I bring you good news. Be, be reconciled to God. The kingdom message that the angels brought to the shepherds, the song that Mary sang in the presence of Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit, the declaration of Jesus in the synagogue at Nazareth, all wrapped in a package that says, this is good news. You don't have to fear this. Yeah. Let's take that and contrast it with the news that's being bombarding us on our televisions and our uh, feeds on our internet. The political ads that we hear. The difference is night and day. And the invitation is for us today to be reconciled to God. It means to step out of that realm and say, as Mary said, unto me, unto me, as you have said. Like the shepherd said, let's go see this. Let's investigate this. Let's search out this baby. God is calling us today in this world we live in. If that voice is speaking to you, if it's something in your heart that's saying, I, re I register with this, I resonate with this, God might be speaking to me. I say, come be reconciled. Say yes to the Lord. Drop what you're doing like the shepherds did. Rush to the Savior. It's the only path to peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he came and dwelled among us full of grace and truth. Thank you that you've given your spirit to us to reveal to us, to demonstrate to us as you did to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Thank you, Lord, that you still speak to us today. Thank you that we can step out of our selfishness and greed and come into your family by simply saying yes to you. Lord, in this Christmas season, may our hearts be drawn to you. May we hear your voice and say yes to you. Come, Lord Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Be my king. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.